Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Before a crucial diplomatic meeting, Picard blows off some steam in the holodeck. But his fantasy of being Dixon Hill takes a deadly turn when the holodeck malfunctions and no one can leave. From January 9th, 1988, it's Season 1, Episode 11, The Big Goodbye. Or, on a planet just like Earth in the 1940s. Wait, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> oh, we sure don't, Mishweedy. <laughs> I'm Cam, that's Dan, and we are the Meh Generation. Good day, Dan. Today's a good day for you. That's my my number one complaint about the original series. Is those goddamn planets just like Earth. And there's no such thing now. Ugh. It's all in the holodeck. And <laughs> the second episode features something that you've wanted to happen since we started this process. So how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this whole endeavor? Uh, I feel as though... It's becoming itself. The show is slowly becoming itself, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Um, yeah. I really wanted to play it close to the vest, but I absolutely loved this episode. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, it was... They, they found just the right way to make it low-stakes charming fun at the beginning and keep that going for so long and then have it turn and there was still the external pending drama i wouldn't call it a threat but the the diplomatic mission had stakes that i wasn't super invested in but they mattered um but this this episode lives and dies in the hands of Picard X Beverly. Mm -hmm. All of that was so goddamn cute. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't even stand it. I was like, this is adorable middle-aged flirting. Yes. I love this so much. And the all the actors who played characters in the 40s did such an excellent job. And I I I was like, if this I was really surprised that they had the balls within the first episode to do a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. The first episode being of a holodeck episode, I should say. A heart-to-heart -heart conversation between Picard and one of the created fictional holodeck characters about the nature of their existence. I was like, holy shit. Right? So it, it checked a lot of boxes for me, but we should probably let everyone know what the fuck I'm talking about. We probably should. On Stardate 41997.7, the Enterprise heads to Torona 4 to open negotiations with the Gerada, an insect-like race that is unusually strict in matters of protocol and linguistics. After stressfully practicing the complex greeting the Gerada require to open negotiations, 
<laughs> for a single mispronunciation leads to horrible consequences. What are they, French? Captain ah. Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> decides to relax with a Dixon Hill story in the holodeck. Picard takes up the case of Jessica Bradley, played by Carolyn Allport, who believes that Cyrus Redblock, played by Lawrence... Oh, no. Tierney. I looked that up and I forgot. Is trying to kill her. A joyful Picard decides to continue the program and leaves the holodeck to affirm their estimated arrival at Tarona 4. He invites Dr. Crusher and, coincidentally, a visiting historian who's an expert on the 20th century, Dr. Whalen, to join him in the holodeck. While Crusher is still preparing, Picard and Whalen are ready to enter the holodeck, and Data surprisingly joins them, having overheard Picard's invitation. Entering, they discover Jessica has been murdered in Picard's absence. As Picard explains that he saw Jessica in his office the day before, Lieutenant McNary, played by Gary... Armagnac. Armagnac? I don't know. I do all this research and then it just leaves. I don't know why I bother. Played by Played Gary. Played by Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Brings Picard into the police station for questioning as a suspect in her murder. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is scanned from a distance by the Jardin... by the Jaredins, causing a power surge in the holodeck. Dr. Crusher later enters the holodeck experiencing a couple of glitches and almost getting crushed by the door. You know, <laughs> ignoring all of the red flags. Crusher, <laughs> crush her. Oh. Uh-huh. Ignoring all of the red flags and proceeding in. The Jaredins demand their greeting earlier than the agreed time and are insulted at having to talk to anyone other than the captain. The crew try to communicate with Picard in the holodeck but find it impossible. The Jaredin signal has affected the holodeck's functions, preventing the door from opening or allowing communication with the crew inside. Lieutenant LaForge and our dear Wesley Crusher attempt to repair the holodeck systems while inside. While the others are inside, uh, the group return to Mr. Dixon's office, and Mr. Leach, played by Harvey Jason, appears to have waited for Picard, demanding he turn over an object he believes Jessica gave him. When Picard fails to understand, Leech shoots Dr. Whalen with a gun, and the crew discovers that the safety protocols have been disabled. Whalen is severely wounded. Lots of internal bleeding and such. As Dr. Crusher cares for his wound, without 24th century medical equipment, Picard and Data discover the holodeck is malfunctioning, and that they are unable to exit the program. Uh, Picard slaps the fuck out of Mr. Leech, which prompts Redlock to join them in Dixon's office. Uh, they continue to demand the object. Lieutenant McNeary arrives with a bottle of scotch and becomes involved in the standoff. Picard tries to explain the nature of the holodeck, but Red, Red Block refuses to believe them. Why is that so hard to say, Daniel? Why? Why? <clears throat> Outside, Wesley finds a glitch. However, he cannot simply turn off the system for fear of losing everyone inside. Instead, Wesley resets the simulation, briefly placing Picard and the others in the middle of a snowstorm, throwback to McCoy, before finding themselves back in Dixon's office. With the reset successfully clearing the malfunction, the exit doors finally appear. Despite Picard's warnings, Redblock and Leech exit the holodeck and dissipate as they move beyond the range of the hollow emitters. As the rest of them leave the holodeck, Picard thanks McNary for his assistance, who now suspects that his world is artificial, and asks Picard whether his departure is the big goodbye. 
to which Picard replies that he simply doesn't know. Picard reaches the bridge in time to give the proper greeting to the Jurata. The Jurata accept the greeting, heralding the start of a successful negotiation. And so ends the big goodbye. This is what I get for practicing and preparing. <laughs> See, Cameron, you should always just improv. I find that I guess improv I is the best way to just get the um, the most... Uh, 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 shit. Um, you can find um, uh, to get the boohoos uh, out, Dan. Y- 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 uh, mm, uh, <laughs> to get the boohoos. What the fuck are the boohoos? Get the boohoos out. Yeah, the feelings oh, of no. sadness. I, no, no, no. The best way to get <laughs> an the existential dread. <laughs> the best way to get the feelings of sadness out is to watch movies that will always make you cry. That's that's the best way to get the boohoos out. The boohoos. Mm-hmm. So Wrath of Khan then? Yeah, definitely Wrath of Khan. I find as I get older, um, the movies change. So, um, you know, anything that involves uh, parental death, that's a, that's a good one for me. Yeah, that's a trigger <laughs> for me too. Uh, you've Got Mail makes me cry every time. Oh, because he was a manipulative bastard to her? Yep. Don't be with him. He's awful. <laughs> but he's also Tom Hanks, so he's undeniably charming. I just want to see Tom Hanks play a serial killer. Just one time. I want America's dad to be the guy who did it. <laughs> I don't think America would recover. I mean, we would all be shook to our core. Shooketh, Daniel. Shooketh. Mm-hmm. Well... Tell me, Dan, what did you love about this Emmy and Peabody award-winning episode? Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I I tend to agree with the Emmy Awards more than I do with the Academy Awards, although they're all just nonsense. Um, they are nonsense. I really I loved I loved the premise, the conceit, the conceit, the ne- the necessity of some relaxation is something that is a constant conversation. These people work very, very hard. And the fact that the holodeck can now provide that recreation while serving as a story to illuminate character. I love that Picard loves this hard-boiled detective story. I think that that's a fun trait of someone in leadership and really charming. He wears it very well and he's so giddy about it. Um, it, It reminds me of what I will be like sans the constant crying when i get to go to star wars land for the first time um, <laughs> no yeah, i've, I've, no, I've told courtney i will just weep in star wars galaxy's edge i will stand by the millennium falcon and i will weep um I dude that. i have i have cried at the behind the scenes videos about the making of the park it's I, it's gonna be it's magical. too much it's too much um but I feel uh, the same about the Harry Potter experience. Oh, that'll get Florida is just going to be a big fucking West. Wow. Big fucking. I was going to say mess and then well, and it became West of tears. Mm. You're not wrong. Uh, and like Florida needs more wetlands. So that's <laughs> going to be really problematic. It is going to be um, problematic. But I, I loved 
the story. I loved the interactions. I loved Data trying really hard to get into character. Um, <laughs> yep. I loved when it went haywire um, and they had real stakes all of a sudden. I was like, yay, life or death stakes. Um, I loved the the final confrontation with uh, with Red Block. Uh, I think that having a character within the simulation grasp the simulation to some extent was really fucking ballsy for your first time in the holodeck. I thought for sure they would save that. But to have, you know, three, diff- three four different characters that they interacted with understand the nature of their existence like that that was heavy shit man it really was and you know this this sort of lacked the external threat that really mattered i was like okay then they won't join the federation big fucking whoop um it's not like oh but we need them to defeat the borg or something like there wasn't i didn't i wasn't super invested in that in the the b plot there but it was such a fun romp uh, from Beverly tripping in her heels to swallowing gum. Cause I guess we don't chew gum anymore um, to uh, Picard mispronouncing DiMaggio. Uh, it was, it was fun and endearing, but on a deeper level revealed a lot about characters mm-hmm. Um and just shipped Wesley and uh, Wesley. Wow, uh, just <laughs> shipped Beverly and Picard so hard. I agree. I am with you one hundred percent. I adore this episode. I, I mean, you were correct. Everyone's, everyone's performance as far as back in the forties is revolutionary. I just, as far as Star Trek goes, it's just so. It's kitschy, but incredibly believable, and I love I love it. Um, I honestly think that... Oh, God. Oh, there we go. Uh, Harvey Jason, who played Mr. Leech, gave one of the performances of his career, because I just wanted to strangle him. <laughs> I just wanted... I wanted the writers to change their time and space and to just have data snap his neck you know he was that he was that good at being hateable it was just ugh it felt like a like a send up of a character from a humphrey humphrey bogart movie who i'm not it absolutely did it was definitely like one of the one of the guys in either casablanca or the maltese falcon i can't remember but the sort of slightly bug-eyed yeah no it's definitely casablanca rick rick yeah. Yep. It was that guy. They were doing that guy. Ah, oh, they was, were. Yeah. And I did. I wanted every with every fiber of my being for the writer for to be able to change the space-time continuum so the data could snap his neck. I would have liked that. I know, it would have been awesome, but it was the 80s. So we just got to see him disappear. Hooray. Hooray! I also love they brilliantly set up the mechanics of the holodeck, and those stakes are you know continuously built upon and continuously questioned. Like 
the fact that even a holographic bullet can kill if the safety protocols are off because it's, you know, an actual object. They also um, established that the replicator is used to create objects within the holodeck. So that is, you know, it's wonderful and I love it. And it also perfectly explains why Wesley couldn't just turn it off because if the safety protocols are off, it might mistake the people for objects that it replicated. So... It's wow, just, replicator! It, way to objectify the crew. I know, I know. Literally objectify. <clears throat> I do have some questions about the replicator for when we get to the bad, but um, yeah, no, I find I, I found its its mechanics fascinating and pretty well thought out overall. Yeah, me too. Me too. Who do you think gave the best performance acting wise in this episode? Well, I mean, our dear Peace too, of course. But I really enjoyed Beverly's as well. She does stress, like controlled stress, very well. And, uh, you know, sprinkled with the discomfort of not being in her own environment. Like if she was this stressed in uh, the med bay, it would manifest a little differently. Yeah, It's a little more, I'm going to yell at you about this situation because it's freaking stressful it yes. would be instead of the little uh, slight you know ticks and twitches and half smiles and stuff um mm -hmm. that we see here so it she shows some range um in her response to the scenario well and brent spiner is always just so fucking charming always he, this was the first time i found data not uh somewhat annoying in his exuberance <laughs> for humanity it was it was a little more charming he just he really wants to participate <laughs> he does and the you know subtle incorporations of gangster speech i found even less off-putting than i did in our last gangster outing oh god <laughs> <laughs> a piece of the action what a uh -huh. piece of shit oh such a <laughs> terrible terrible episode but there were some wonderful things that came from it dan don't you take kirk driving a car with spock in it away from me <laughs> yes yes ah uh, but for a holodeck on the original series i know it would have I solved so many of your problems I think that we could have saved a piece of the action if um, if we had a holodeck, but also if they focused more on the gangster book and made it more of like a culty religious thing as like an attempt to critique modern day evangelical literalist translation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But we weren't we weren't quite there. We had too much shacting to get through to get to that kind of subtlety <laughs> and nuance. Uh, I want you to put did. me in a I want you to put me in a pinstripe suit and let me shoot people. Um K okay. oh, How? <laughs> Just put it on a gangster planet or something. I don't know, you're the writer. <laughs> Great. Cool. Are we getting renewed for a fourth season? No? Awesome. Yeah, I can bust <laughs> this out for you. <laughs> That's probably exactly how that happened. I would not be surprised.
But Cameron, this wasn't all fedoras and gumshoe talk. Is there anything you didn't care for about this episode? I, <laughs> I mean, I know what they're building for, but why the fuck are Lieutenant LaForge and Wesley the ones trying to fix this? Yeah, where's the chief of engineering? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's why they made Jordy the chief engineer soon. I mean, no spoilers. <laughs> you knew that. Uh, yeah, I've definitely heard him called Engineer LaForge before. Um, yeah. That does sound like a good way to just get him off the bridge more, though. But whatever. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a good way to have Wesley on the bridge more and for, you know, Jordy to be able to overtake Scotty's role of saying i can't do that okay i'll do it yeah yeah that is some that is this that is part of the secret sauce that we're missing from the original series i think i know that i know that you have your opinion about how they work as an ensemble but i want my trinity i've got my picard and my Riker. i need i need a third like a permanent fixture third but well i mean we'll talk more about how they tried to recreate it in season two and it's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> it's going to be a whole fucking thing. It's Tasha but... Yar, right? She becomes the third one, Tasha? No. No, she does not. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I can't wait to see what she gets up to in season two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me either. What else? What but else? Uh, she does what... get up to some stuff in season five, though what what i guess you'll just have to wait and see oh i hope she's a borg <laughs> oh daniel <clears throat> top five borg wish list tasha yar Whoopi goldberg wesley um spock <laughs> <laughs> and um ooh, james cromwell as um you know the fucking uh warp drive guy zephram cochran <laughs> there you go i'm so proud of you i didn't even have to oh help. man i and i should have mispronounced it you know uh zephyr <laughs> zephyr cochram that guy yeah cochram yeah <laughs> zephyr cochram sounds like a german porn actor it does or you know the porn parody of first contact Ah. <laughs> and then it'd be called double contact <laughs> oh, terrible why don't you go fuck yourself okay i will huzzah <laughs> can i say no that there was one thing that irrationally bothered the fuck out of me i would love to hear it so, as I understand the holodeck, uh-huh. individual items that you can interact with are replicated, but the characters and the surrounding is a solid holographic projection, correct? Sometimes. Sometimes. So are the people replicated? No, I mean, the people are not replicated. Cer certain objects are holographic, like... Um... It's just the objects that people interact with 
are replicated. The objects that the holograms interact with are holographic. Okay. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. So as such, the woman who comes to Picard for aid at the beginning, what was Mm -hmm. her name? Uh, Jessica Bradley. Right. Um, She kisses Picard and he gets lipstick on himself. And that lipstick stays on him after he leaves the holodeck. Well, like whenever, I mean, the thing is, is whenever there's an interaction, it's the computer decides what, if something is replicated or not. And so for that moment, it was replicated. The lipstick was replicated. So prior to that, her lipstick existed as a holograph. And then it instantaneously replicated lipstick on her yep so people can come and go and take things from a holodeck interaction yeah depending on depending on what it is you know it's it's a very complicated and complex system but it's designed to well i mean it's designed to do whatever the writer needs it to do dan (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting that. Um, because that part, I I was like, now either either you can interact with things and they and you can take them with you because it is all replicated. But if it's holographic lipstick, yeah, let it stay on him for the duration of his time in the holodeck, of course. But as soon as he leaves, it felt uh, sloppy and like something that would need to be explained later. Rather than You're not something wrong. something I had enough information from this episode to grasp. I became irrationally angry. Of course. I was did. like, are you kidding me? You want you want me to buy the just make it a planet just like Earth if you're gonna do that shit. <laughs> I was like, listen, Tracy Torme, you may have written one of the best episodes, probably the best episode so far of Next Generation, but I will not stand for this blatant disrespect to your audience's intelligence (laughs) and to science fiction in general. This lipstick was insulting. (laughs) Oh, Daniel. (laughs) And honestly, the only other thing that bothered me was the, uh, the aliens just being ridiculous where I was like, why, if this is the case, would you not, find someone who was a linguist or an expert with accents or something and just make them the captain of a little frigate for this this mission like this seems like bad planning on on starfleet's behalf like come on these this seems like the most absurd and persnickety race just to get a scene of picard practicing his monologue and then him making dothraki noises yeah, I mean, it really was a hell of a language. I bet that was really fun to make up. Mm-hmm. Why don't we ask Tracy Torme? Come on out here, Tracy. Hello, it is me, Tracy Torme. <laughs> I'm Wrong sure this is not what I sound like <laughs> at all. 
Uh, I'm not even sure if this feels like if uh, Kermit the Frog and Ricky Ricardo had a baby. <laughs> a so uh, this is just probably offensive to everyone. But uh, I, I like to roll my R's because I'm Tracy Torme. So that was the that was the choice. So please do not uh, persecute me or uh, you know cancel me or call me problematic. It was the first voice I thought of. So please do not uh, kill me in my sleep. Okay, bye, bye, Tracy. Tracy. Okay, have a good one. I want an Emmy for this. Jesus Christ. Well, I've decided that Tracy uh, Tarmay is just going to have different accents every time he comes up. <laughs> oh, what have I done? <laughs> well, I mean, was that was that it? Was that all that bothered you about this episode? Yeah, I mean, there were uh, little things. Like, I felt like the 20th century historian only existed to get shot. He provided nothing. Data had already absorbed enough information. That guy had absolutely nothing to contribute the entire yeah. time. Yeah, um, it's true. I was like, you're useless. Have another member of the crew go down. We don't need this guy. I would be much more invested and worried if a member of the bridge crew got shot. Like, they could have taken Tasha. They could have taken... Worf would have been a little uh, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> well he's, he also would have you know gotten shot like ah, ah! um you know you could have you could have taken um deanna you could have taken any number of people whom we know rather than oh well we happen to have a 21st century historian i'm like i don't need it it does nothing for the story have someone i care about get shot then i'll care and then that person, yeah. you could set them up to have an aversion to the holodeck and be really wary of it. And when they finally go back onto the holodeck, something bad happens, but then they overcome their fear of the holodeck then. It'd be great. Yeah. You could actually set up something that would matter and do the exact same plot and story mechanics. And I would give a shit because I guarantee you, I'm never going to see this motherfucker again. Well, you will. Just not as this person. Oi. Oy. Yeah, no, this is this is very original series. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's you a know, total... Just coincidentally happens to be on board. Total TOS move. Yep. And they, I mean, you know, as we go on, they will start to figure that out, that they don't need to do that anymore. But, uh... No, I had a great time. It won an Emmy for costumes, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What was the Peabody Award for? Being dope? Uh, being dope that's that's pretty much it <laughs> they do have a peabody award for being dope i don't know if you were aware world but yeah i apply every year and they tell me that i'm not fresh enough so whatever but you know what was best about this episode cameron what was it the quotes or the slash factor uh, it was the quotes. The slash factor was excellent, but it was pretty, it wasn't subtle slash factor, but it was like Picard. She clearly wanted a date. Quit, quit. Come on. She wanted a date. Read the signals. Don't invite other people. And then they both looked annoyed. And I'm like, you did this to yourself. 
I have no sympathy for you. You take her back on a nice holodeck date later. You do that, Picard. She is owed. She is owed. <laughs> she but is yeah, definitely I, owed. I, I loved their interactions and their little... You wear it very well. That whole interaction in the police station was so cute. I was like, now kiss. <laughs> do it. Stick your tongue in her mouth. No, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping she'd take his hat off and just like lick his bald head. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that was unexpected. <laughs> that was unexpected mm-hmm. and sexy and weird. <laughs> I've decided I'm going to refer to my car the same way that uh, that Worf does from now on. Automobile. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So. But you spell knife with a K. I spell knife with an N, but I never could spell. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, me too, peace too. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Same. Thank goodness for apps. Am I right? You better not try to leave town. If I leave town, town leaves with me. Pretty hep looking broad. Is that good? It ain't bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's not from around here, is he? uh, No, he's not. He's, uh, He's from South America. Yeah, he's got a nice tan. (laughs) For the moment, I have other duties. (laughs) Blonde brunette. She's a lady, all right, and her name is Enterprise. Sounds like a working girl to me. (laughs) (laughs) If you were going to go through yourself, sir, that is not possible. One look at you, sir, is proof that anything is possible. <laughs> I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I love the 40s gangster things. I just, I want to write a film noir show so badly. <laughs> you should. Write, uh, you know, they made Bullets, into Bra- Bullets Over Broadway into a musical. I think that's the closest we've come to, like, a good gangster musical since uh, Guys and Dolls. No, that's not true. City of Angels is the best one. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Oh god, so good. I don't I don't know City of Angels. It's a Cy Coleman show and it's all jazz, like legitimate jazz. And it's a film noir. I mean it wasn't, you know, black and white, but it was it was it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Hmm. Check it out, everyone. Everyone who likes musical theater. Which is everyone, let's be honest. It should be. God damn it. Lieutenant, take us out of orbit. Aye, sir. And Mr. LaForge. Sir. Step on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yas, queen. (laughs) Ah, this is is what I wanted a piece of the action to be. It was very fun. I'm so glad. Ah, yeah. So, Cameron. Yes, Dan. How many... 
delightful fedoras would you give this episode? I know how much fedoras. I know how much you love a fedora. I I just love hats, but fedoras do hold a special place in my heart. Um, I like that a lot. I was going to suggest uh, dissolving um, crime bosses, but I think delightful fedoras is better. We can do whichever you prefer. No, this is your show cool. too, and I've been told that I quote bully you by your wife so i guess i'm Um, gonna try to be nicer what (laughs) i'm kidding it was a joke (laughs) i was gonna say first of all she doesn't listen and shut up and give me your rating care of myself (laughs) god damn it okay um i am giving this four and three quarters delightful fedoras yeah i'm going to i'm gonna give it a See, I know that there are episodes coming that are talked about within the context of science fiction and television in very high regard. So I don't want to, you know, blow my load prematurely. So I'm going to give it a four. I really did enjoy it. This episode honestly, like, picked me up at the end of a long day. I I'm really so did glad. like it. So I'm giving it a four. Um, it's an episode that we all love. We as, we as Star Trek fans, so... I'm glad that you enjoyed it too. Yeah. Well, I guess there's one thing left to do, Mishweedy, and that's to, <laughs> you know, sign off. We have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So I'm just going to say, real quick, don't just have a great week. Make it so. Keep on trekking, see? No, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> well, we'll be back with data lore. Ooh. Ooh. See you Let's next see time, you schmucks. <laughs>
a Secret Weapon production.